Anderson flew off indoor. What a year had it been. The Bucks are the world champions. Moncrief going inside. Welcome to episode 13 of the Winning Six podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host and the site's editor-in-chief, Adam McGee, and joining me as always are contributors Ty Windish and Jordan Tresky. Uh, we'll just have a look at the, the book's point guards last week. This time around, it's it's a turn to shooting guards. We'll have a look at the... It was the three guys on the roster and that could play shooting guard, but it's now, it's now four. So we'll start off with that piece of news first before looking at the books roster overall. Um, so the course is that earlier today it's reported the books are set to sign Charlie Westbrook, um, no relation to Russell. It's a little bit of a surprising one. Um, it's a bit underwhelming. Again, it's a typical training camp sort of pickup. At the same time, the books seem to have developed a bit of a type because Charlie Westbrook is once again from Milwaukee. Um, so I don't know what the thinking behind this is, but the books are, are looking to go for everyone everyone from Milwaukee at this stage, it seems. Um, what do you guys think of the pickup of Charlie Westbrook? Had you heard of him before today in any way? No. <laughs> no, I did uh, not. Never. That never heard of him. Yeah. I mean, this, uh, that, that should act as some encouragement for you guys. I mean... If they're just picking up local prospects that nobody's heard of, I think I'm next. Yeah, I mean, it's anybody could be next. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. The books, the books could want you. I was shooting around yesterday. I think my tape is out there. There's no offense, and it was grainy, but I think it's gonna get back to Jason Kidd. Um, no, um, <laughs> Westbrook plays like he's from Milwaukee, though. His highlight tape on your uh, great article about him was a very informative article. It's 90% crossing over. He loves crossing people over and hitting them with the step back. Um, so, I mean, it'll be fun to watch him, at least, because he's going to definitely try to do that to everyone on the Bucks in his time at training camp. So you're going to get to watch him cross O.J. Mayo and everybody else, which it'll at least be some fun. I don't think he'll make the team, but he'll cross somebody over on his way. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the same thing with uh, Landry. Um, you know, can't really think of anything. Can't think of it more than a a training camp invite at this point in time. But if, unless if he really impresses uh, some of the front office, I mean, maybe. But yeah, just yeah. <laughs> it's a, in a lot of ways it's a little bizarre. Um, just because it feels like they do. They just want to give some local guys the chance to showcase themselves um, to the wider NBA, and that's. That's where it feels like we're at, which is a nice gesture and all, but at the same time, they're a professional basketball team, and maybe you should use it to see, well, look, is there anybody who could really help the roster that we haven't found yet? 
Um, we talked in the past with Sean Kilpatrick. He's gone and signed elsewhere for a training camp deal. Well, he might have proven a little bit more than Charlie Westbrook already, but that's unfair to judge. We'll, we'll let Charlie Westbrook show what he can do when preseason rolls around in his time with the books. I guess the difference between him and Landry, Landry had at least some, some real college pedigree, and it's not something in, in Westbrook's favor. Now, you guys mentioned the video, um, for, for any of you who haven't seen it, I posted the article um, about Westbrook up earlier on the site, and we do. We have a grey highlight package in there. It's coming from what looks like his own YouTube channel. Um, now, I don't know, does that mean he edited himself? He might have. You can't um, knock the hustle. No, he's he worked, he earned his deal. Um, I respect. I, I honestly, I think it's amazing. I, I want to think that he edited himself because it's spectacular. <laughs> um, he could be the next Eric Spolstra. He could have uh, a coach. Yeah. You never know. You never know. I don't know. The shot selection looks a bit questionable for him to ever be a coach. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh. But if you haven't seen that video already, make sure to check it out. Ty mentioned the crossover. Um, the signs of someone who has done some really in-depth analysis on, on Charlie Westbrook. You uh, know me. But yeah, but Westbrook, uh, the thing with the crossover is, there's one crossover in particular in the video where he, he has his man completely beaten up. There's, there's no chance of making any play to stop him. And you go, okay, Westbrook's about to take the tree. And then the video cuts and... I just want to know what happened to that shot. What, what did that three gotta, really look like? You got to tune, tune into his long-range shooting proficiency video to see what happened. That's part two. Next week on JasonKidd.com. <laughs> <laughs> How to I, win at everything in life by Jason Kidd. <laughs> I will say this, though, because you brought up a good point. I mean, obviously these guys, it's like the safety of the Landry. But it, we like a lot of what we were talking about uh, last year. You know, we saw these kid-related signings with Martin or Kenyon Martin, uh, Gutierrez. You could say FCW to some degree, but that was a, I think there was a, a little bit more to it. But people like acted like that was you know the worst thing ever, or I mean that's a little exaggerated, but they acted really strongly against that. But these guys, I would put those. Not the MCW one, obviously, but Kenny Martin and Gutierrez on the same level as like the Bucks trying out Landry and Westbrook. Like they could be really talented, but the first thing that comes to or that is mentioned when they get these guys is their Milwaukee ties and stuff like that. Like it's really odd how people kind of view the West. Well, not, it was more the Landry side than anything, but just these kind of moves and just be like, oh, there it's a hometown guy. But we don't really know if they're gonna make the team or how big of an impact they'll have. Like it's still kind of weird how that people view that. To yeah, me. that's that's interesting. But I think I have a couple of thoughts on that. First, I was back around the draft. It actually was probably our very first podcast. Um, I know I mentioned in relation to Kevon Looney, there was no better timing really. I felt for the books to bring some hometown guys to the team, then right now, then with the rebrand, then with everything that's going on with the arena. Like they're they're really trying hard to push on the point that they're Milwaukee's team, they're Wisconsin's team. This might be taking it one step too far. Um, yeah. But then at the same time, on on the other side of that coin, 
I sort of prefer to see guys like Landry and guys like Westbrook get the chance over Gutierrez and Kenyon Martin because at least they're the unknown quantity and something could come out of it. They're, it seems incredibly unlikely, but who knows? Maybe there's a Hassan Whiteside out there. With Kenyon Martin, mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy who his career is effectively over and not many other NBA teams saw a real need for him. Now, uh, no disrespect to Kenyon Martin because he actually came in and as much as people make fun of the sign, he at least contributed a little bit briefly. Uh, yeah. I, I do think my second ever article for Behind the Book Pass was a Kenyon Martin article. Uh, I wrote about Kenyon Martin back in the Uncle Buck. Yeah, that's that's... What they Uncle Buck. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, he was only there two 10-day contracts. I mean, the team acted like he was like I th- a I thought they signed him. I think they signed him and then released him. I thought is what happened. Uh, no, I don't think so. I thought they had to keep him, and then they did get rid of him like a week later. I think what happened, he had two 10-day contracts, and then that's when the first stint with Gutierrez happened. Because someone, I think Marshall got hurt. If I remember correctly, I could be totally wrong. Totally right. They waved Kenya Martin to clear a roster space. Yeah. Uh, they they yeah. wanted to bring him in, but then they needed the spot, so they just got rid of him right after they brought him in for the rest they, of the season. And it was actually, they declared him for, it was to make room for Plumlee and Ennis to come in. Yeah. Oh, that's there we go. So it was him and Marshall were the, the two guys who they sort of moved on and in various different ways to clear those spots. So yeah, yeah that was right. Three, um, got three guys they only sent out at night. Yeah, and when you look at that trade that way, I mean, that was a win. Yeah, that's it really, true. really that's it was. True. Like, I mean, <laughs> particularly at that time, right, Plumlee and Ennis mightn't have played that much, but they got rid of Kenyon Martin and injured, um, and injured Kendall Marshall. Uh, yeah. Okay, Brandon Knight. Uh, for MCW, Ennis, and Plumley. If they're a win-now mode, we'd be calling that a good trade. Anyway, to move on, we don't we don't need to go back down the road of whether that was a good trade or not. <laughs> um, talking of, of Kendall Marshall, mentioned there. There we go. There's a segue. There, there is. I work hard at them. Um, yeah. <laughs> as... As probably a lot of you guys have seen, there's talk of Kendall Marshall going to the Sixers. Um, seemingly the Sixers have, have expressed interest in Kendall Marshall. Do you understand why the books would let him go anywhere else on what's likely to be, at this stage, I don't think he's going to get a guaranteed deal straight off anywhere, so it's going to be a non-guaranteed training camp deal. Why would the books be signing Marcus Landry, be signing Charlie Westbrook, and watching a proven NBA player who's still young, we've we've been through this. We're all big advocates of Kendall Marshall here behind the book pass. But why would they let him go anywhere else? I have no idea why a multitude of teams have not grabbed Kendall Marshall yet. Shame on the Brooklyn Nets, who are going to start Jarrett Jack. <laughs> the the, the Mavs as well. I think the Nets and the Mavs are two teams. Well, the Mavs at least have D. Will now. They have a player. They have someone well, better injured. Than I mean, him and Devin Harris, their injury history is is really well, hey, bad. Hey, don't forget, don't forget Ray Felton. Come on. And Ray they, I think they, still actually a basketball player. He gets checks, but I, I mean, yeah, Philly is another team that could really use him. A, a lot of teams. I mean, the guy. I think he could start on on a fair amount of teams. Um, I don't know if he's a great starter, but I mean, it's a point guard and he'll dish the ball. I mean, he can find spots on teams. 
if you don't have solid guards already, there's no reason to not sign this guy because, like you said, it's going to be cheap. There's so many teams that I could just go through their roster and say, well, you know, Kendall Marshall won't start on the Heat, but he'd be a really good backup on the Heat. I could do that for a lot of teams. I don't know why he's still around in general when I'm seeing Chuck, the Chuck wagon got signed today and Kendall Marshall's still a free agent. Like, I don't understand free agency sometimes. Yeah, that, that's a strange one. I, if he makes it out of that. I, cause I saw, going up $2 million for that. I don't even know, because I, I saw earlier, and I thought it was quite a good fit. Um, Gerald Borgay, friend of ours over at Hoops, he did a piece on uh, potential potential destinations for Carlos Boozer to land. Yeah, and, there's another guy who should be signed. Yeah. He put the Clippers down, and I was like, wow, that just makes so much sense. Um, mm. They've done a good job of adding depth, but that sort of rounds it out. Then they've got a really – they have solid front-court options with him, and instead Chuck Hayes becomes a Clipper. I mean, where is the logic in that? Um, Boozer's one that's strange. I, okay, we all know it went from last year, but he's completely just slipped out of people's consciousness. I said that for ourselves. We we spoke about forwards for so long. Not yeah. once did Boozer come up. I mean, a proven guy. Uh, right, he's he's at the wrong side of his career. But for somebody, surely he can be good veteran depth. For the Bucks, mm-hmm. even. Well, Jabari, if Jabari's hurt. Yeah, I well, saying that once again. He hasn't been signed. So why couldn't they reach out to him and Kendall Marshall instead of Landry and Westbrook? I mean, yeah, those are proven NBA they're, guys. They're moves that if you decide one of those guys has earned a spot, you know it makes the team better. And let's be mm. honest, if both of those guys did come to preseason or into a training camp, I think it's safe to say they're going to prove themselves to be better than Miles Plumley or definitely Jorge Gutierrez or J-O-B. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes the NBA is weird. Yeah, it's just there's another guy I would actually throw in there, and I know he has a deal done already, but it was Darrell Wright. I felt like he matched a lot of teams, especially the Bucks, because we were talking about you know who can plug or fit in that way. But he no, I don't think he got any offers that he ended up going to China. And I was just thinking he was on the he was a very not he didn't play too much for Portland, but two years ago he was like a significant starter. Not a significant starter, but a starter of the league, and is you know playing in China now, and probably may could come back eventually. But still, that was kind of another head scratcher. Um, as far as Marshall, I thought Philly was kind of the perfect team for him. Uh, I just don't think. I mean, I've, who I'm trying to think of who their point guards are. Roden, yeah, they have Cannon. point guards. Tony Roden, Isaiah Cain. Yeah, I, I like the Nets better. That's true. Really good in the Nets. I, I actually I like I don't we talked about this last last week um I don't hate the Sixers point guards for the roster they have Marshall makes them yeah. better but that's that's a pretty good point guard rotation of three guys and mm-hmm. um, that's actually yeah. really solid compared to some of the others around the place there are we've looked at how good Marshall is and obviously health question marks factor into it but in terms of his game he has the real potential to make an impact for a contender you know who he reminds me of. Patrick Beverly, guy who can uh, play I think he's, he's a better passer. I think he's a better player than Beverly. He is. He, I don't think he quite has Beverly's grit and determination, which is the thing that sets Beverly apart. But I, no, I think but he's a better basketball player. 
Yeah, he's a better passer. They're about the same from three, I want to say, without checking the numbers. Yeah, it's I mean it's beyond the leader. He can't. I don't know. Maybe I think it, maybe his ACL is really scaring teams off because he's not really. I you wouldn't. His athleticism doesn't really come to mind as like his top traits. But yeah, I guess. But the the thing with that, the if the ACL. I've seen the video. <laughs> video. <laughs> there was a video. He he looks good in the video. It's to offense, but he still looked good. <laughs> the thing with the ACL is. The ACL can only play to everyone's advantage, except Marshall at this stage, because how can you be scared off from him? Is it, we're at we're into September effectively now, so Doc September. He's got no deal. He's coming back off an ACL. That sounds like a really great way to pick up a one-year bargain for some team. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I was a team, I'd sign the try to get a couple of team options in there. Try to lock him up. To for be like honest, three you could pay him just a little bit more below what his value really is, and. He might go for it just for the security, mm. because he is coming off an injury and is at the moment it seems ridiculous, but his career is in doubt. I mean, with not even a training camp invite, it's really strange. I've I've no I've no doubt that at some point during the season he'd be picked up by an NBA team. But if Kendall Marshall is healthy and he doesn't start the season on an NBA roster, I, I don't know. I'm gonna be at a loss for words, and um, because he's really and his play before going down injured with the Bucks last year, and definitely in a season with the Lakers where he played serious minutes, he's proven himself to be a, a really quality option um, in the NBA. So that one is a little bit surprising. Moving on, it was, it was nice to have some Bucks news this week. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit about something else a little bit later. I think it, it sets up for us in the mailbag. Um, but for the meantime, we'll get to the matter at hand. We're going to continue looking through the Bucks roster from top to bottom. Last week, we went through the point guards, all five of them. That was that was fun. It was a lot of hard work, too. Um, <laughs> it didn't take, I think, we we're past two, and then the opinions really started to come in. Um, shooting guard, as I mentioned earlier, we now have four shooting guards in the roster, if we want to consider Charlie Westbrook. Um, I think we've used up all our knowledge of Charlie Westbrook already, though, so we, we won't go any deeper on him in this segment. But You don't want me to drop any more Charlie Westbrook knowledge? <laughs> all right, I'll Tell us some more about his crossovers, I'll, Ty. I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. You don't, we'll, we'll save it for later. Next week. Yeah, um, next week. Yeah, so to get back on topic, um, yep. three guys we're going to take a look at are Chris Middleton, OJ Mayo, and Rashad Vaughn. Um, it's a pretty eclectic mix of characters there. Um, I don't think you can get three guys who are more different, maybe even in their play style. I, I'm going to stick with that because the thoughts of comparing Vaughn and Mayo or any similarities between them scares me a little. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Um, let's start off with Chris Middleton. Uh, I feel like this would be a nice, safe conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll all be happy enough with this. He's got the Mr. big contracts under his belt now. What's next for Middleton? What should he realistically be looking to do this year, and what expectations should the Bucks fans have for him? He's Mr. 3 and D. He's Kyle Korver 2.0. I mean, he's going to play good defense. He's going to hit spot-up threes. I keep seeing there's people who think he's going to start scoring 20 points a game. I don't see that. Maybe not ever. That's not who he is. He had tried to pick up a volume a little bit at the end of last season. 
But I'd be surprised if he averaged more than 16 would be out when I see him ending points per game. He, he doesn't shoot that often, especially not with Greg Monroe on the team now. He's going to make a lot of his shots, super efficient, and his defense is a massive plus. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, thinking about him particularly and now with his contract, he's kind of, no one really talks about how much better he could be. And it's, we're kind of in this new era of 3 and D guys. Like, all the, like, big examples of these 3 and D type of guys is really new, like, you know, we see it with Green, we see it with I'm blanking so many other people, but Milton kind of emerged last year, obviously. And I just think I'm really intrigued to see how he does this season. I don't think he's going to be – he's kind of showed last year that – well, not just him, but I think he, there's other problems at play that you can't really look to, at him to be like a first option necessarily um, scoring the ball. But if he's your second option or – I mean – Possibly third option with the with what the Bucks have, that's that's great. That's a, I mean, if he continues his trajectory, I just don't. It's really, I don't know. I think he's probably we we talk about Giannis, we talk about Jabari, talk about MCW, but I think for me at least, he's I think he's probably the most interesting to see how much better he can be, especially with the addition of Monroe. And I think he's gonna on paper, I think he would benefit. Greatly from having him on the team. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get stop to think about this for a minute because at first it's gonna sound a little bit bizarre and won't make a lot of sense. But Uh-oh. Jordan mentioned that Middleton doesn't seem like a first option guy. The irony of that is, I think by not being the first option, he's gonna be further away from that this year than ever before. He he could actually become more of a first option. Um, now, where I'm going with that is if there's going to be so much attention on Monroe or if Parker is back to full health, if Giannis is more dynamic, stronger, um, probably being the, the key word for Giannis coming into this season, if Michael Carter-Williams approves, all of oh. us... Who's Chris Middleton? Chris Middleton is is the, could be the fifth guy that the teams are... They're paying least attention to. He could be the guy. Oh well, who's your worst defender? Well, he's going on Chris Middleton. That's, when I yeah. when I look at Middleton's game, to me, I, I know Ty, you love the the Kyle Korver comparison. I don't see Korver at all because I think Middleton has. He's he's not quite as good a shooter. He's probably a better defender, but I do think he just has more to his game. He's probably not as good a passer as Korver. His Korver's really underrated in in that regard. Um, but the player to me that, that I always feel the comparison is there, and he's just one shot away from bringing it into his game, and that one shot away from making him an all-star, from making him a really prolific scorer, and that's Joe Johnson. Um, I just think... Yeah, you like that. You like the Johnson-Middleton thing. I remember this. Yeah, I, he's, he's that isolation shot away from being probably an improved version of Joe Johnson... Joe Johnson's an underrated defender. It never gets talked about because people, people like to laugh about seven-time All-Star Joe Johnson or whatever it is. And um, so, <laughs> so people often forget just how good he is. Um, but Johnson is more clutch than about anybody else in the NBA. Um, that's that's proven over a long period of time. If you 
if you want a player to go and make a shot for you with a game on the line, there's not many guys better than Joe Johnson at that. And Middleton showed himself not not to be in a completely different league last year. Um, he's got a great post game, Joe Johnson, for his size. That's sort of two three, as as Middleton could have too. Um, I think wouldn't do any harm for Middleton to bulk up a little in the same way that Giannis has done. Um, but it's definitely post potential there for Middleton. He's got the the spot up shooting that's there for him or a catch and shoot guy. It's it's really that isolation. It's when play breaks down if the ball's in his hands. He's just that shot missing away from being an all star for me. And I don't think I think fifteen, sixteen points, that's that's really good production. If that's where he ends up this season, that's great. If he can get that shot, all of a sudden he's at twenty two, twenty three points and I think pretty easily. And a big part of that will be, it, he might have to look at that longer term, but with the players around him, he's going to get opportunities. And he's the sort of guy that he's so excited, I wouldn't be surprised to see him really take them. What do you guys think on that? Um, maybe I'm I'm a little high on Middleton. I, he's efficient, he's a 3 and D guy. He's exactly the type of player that I tend to fall for. Um, but at the same time, I do. I just see enough in his game all round. There's not a department of his game where I go, that's really bad. I mean, his handling isn't very good. He doesn't really need to handle that often, though, particularly with not only Michael Carter-Williams, but, say, Giannis and the team. What do you guys think? Where do you see Middleton going from here? I I actually, I, I do like the Joe Johnson person. I think that kind of work, really works for him. I just, it's really, I don't know, it's really, it's really weird how we view him now, because I think, if we were talking about this last year, I don't think anybody had really talked about, well, I don't think anybody really knew that he would have this, you know, big contract coming up, and he was still, like, a really, valuable is a very strong word, but he was one of the bright spots in a very terrible buck season, two, just, you know, a little over two years ago, but he had, I mean, Besides the defense, he had what he has, or he had the same offensive game that he showed back then, and it translated to this year. I just, yeah, it's really interesting to see how he could be like the, especially early on, because we still don't know when Jabari's going to be back, but he could be the biggest benefit of the Monroe signing, kind of everybody getting, you know, another year together, training camp, actually more time to get acclimated with new teammates and all that stuff. I I think, yeah, I, I'm pretty high on him, too. I'm, I'm, it's really, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. With him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's beyond his skill set to become an ISO scorer. I, I just don't think it's what he wants to do. I remember it was either reading or listening to him talk last year. I want to say it was the, the low Q&A. But talking about um, Middleton posting it up more, and he... Chris was like, yeah, I mean, uh, kid wants, uh, Coach Kidd wants me to start doing that. It's just not something I've done. You know, I like to be more of a passer and just not not just go one-on-one -on -one like that. He's just, like, the way he plays is more of a, if I'm open, I'll take the shot. But if I'm closely guarded, I don't really want to shoot that bad. It's just, I mean, maybe he, they, you know, they, they finally convince him, like, hey, look, you're a really good scorer. You should do this for me. <laughs> I just don't know if he wants to be that guy, especially now that we might have Jabari back healthy, we're going to have Giannis, big, scary, maybe three-point shooting Giannis, and of course Greg Monroe. I just don't see Middleton taking that many shots. I see him more likely to 
dish to somebody else more open if there's someone on him instead of posting them up or trying to just ISO them to death. See, that's the thing, though. I don't, I don't feel that in that starting five, there's gonna be guys much more open than Middleton, and that sounds crazy because he's, he's the most legitimate three-point threat. But really, when you break down the roster, and this is why, this is why not only his big contract, but getting that contract from the books was such a big win for Middleton, because he could have gone to another team where he was asked to be the guy. And that's where it mightn't work out for him, and he would end up just looking like just sort of a run-of-the-mill 3-and-D guy. But in Milwaukee, I mean, Monroe is going to attract so much attention inside. Um, he's going to have, obviously, he's going to have center to power forward, one of the team's best defenders on him. I think Giannis is, Giannis is a unique threat that teams are going to have to figure a way to stop. And particularly if he does start, even if it's, say, 33% he starts to knock down three-point shots and take them a little bit more regularly, well then he's a nightmare. I mean, that's just a double <laughs> team waiting to happen in so many different ways. Um, Jabari, if Jabari's healthy, we've already seen what he can bring, and I think we all know just how how diverse and how versatile he is from an offensive point of view. Um, he can step back and take that jump shot, or he can drive to the rim, and there's not a whole lot of guys who are going to be able to have a say about it either way. Um, when he gets in a rhythm, and even Carter Williams, okay, we talked about the jumps Carter Williams needs to make. He's such a tough matchup as it is, with, particularly with his length. So if you're playing a team with a smaller point guard, Carter Williams is driving and he's getting some su- success, or even better, he's backing the players down the post. Well, then you're going to see teams go, okay, we're going to switch over onto Carter Williams, put a bigger guy on him, and the way that's going to work out is Middleton's going to have a smaller guy on him. So you can either bring it down low to Middleton. He can maybe get a little bit more space outside. I think he's in the perfect situation to be the forgotten man. And his personality fits right into that. You, <laughs> fair point, Ty, is in he won't look to be that guy. He won't look to develop that part of his game. But he's so unselfish. I think he's so focused on doing what's best for the team. I don't think it would take him too long to to see sort of scenarios like that unfold and to, to feel his way through it at the start of the season to then go, actually, there's a whole lot of opportunities here for me to make my team better and for us maybe to pick up more wins by me branching out a little bit or developing this part of my game. And even de- developing the part of the game mightn't be the issue. I think it's part of it might just be that confidence or that fearlessness or maybe it's not even confidence. It's just uh, he is fighting his instincts as in he's... Go okay, well, there might be a better option open where sometimes that can be overthinking it. Um, what do you guys think defensively? So we've talked about his offense there. There's so much made out of his real plus minus, and then, I mean, all his defensive numbers, his steals are really good. His defensive rating was actually, by book standards, was pretty average last year. Um, and... Once again, not his fault before that, but obviously in that horrible, horrible season the year before, nobody came out looking good. But Middleton did have a defensive rating of 113 in uh, 2013-14. He was 102 last year, which is solid. Um, defensively, what, what do you guys think of him? I mean, he's obviously got great size to guard twos. Is he a little bit slow, maybe, or not? strong enough at the moment to, to guard some of the better trees. How do you guys see him 
I guess, repeating last season's success defensively this year? Um, I, th- I don't know. I think the, the playoff series against Chicago kind of showed that he is, well, we also have to factor in how big of a leap Jimmy Miller took this past year. I mean, it's kind of almost unprecedented, to be honest. Um, but against him, he kind of showed a little, like, you know, he's not a finished product by any means on that, on that side of the uh, floor. Um, so I, I think he really benefits from the scheme that uh, Kidd does, and obviously uh, Sweeney, since he's the defensive coach. So I think he could build on it, and obviously, I, I'm sure I, I am like my memory's failing me right now, but I I feel like early on he didn't get it, and then kind of like right around January when they kind of like started you know getting close to the All Star break, he kind of figured it out like how to operate in that defensive scheme. So it wasn't like he you kind of saw him like or like I just said he kind of figured it out last year, and I think. Hopefully, with uh, everything going to plan, I think he could be even better on that defensive end, but maybe not on a one-on-one setting. I I just think that this whole team will improve defensively once they get used to uh, playing each other, but especially that backcourt. I mean, Michael Carter-Williams in his time with Milwaukee last year posted a D rating of 101. Um, they're, neither of them are finished products, like Jordan said, but they're both just stupid big and long for their positions. I mean, six eight for a shooting guard, even in the, our era of how many six ten forwards do we have? Small forwards, six ten or six eight for a shooting guard is still really big. I mean, the average shooting guard is probably more around six six, which is how big Michael Carter Williams is. So these two guys, it's just tough to get around them. They have long arms. They can disrupt passing lanes. Then of course you have Giannis galloping all over, just disruptive is Giannis, and Giannis is disruptive, essentially. I think as these guys start to get used to playing with each other even more, Middleton and uh, Michael Carter-Williams, they'll get better, and they'll just, I mean, they'll become better players. They're both so young still. I guess the you brought up an interesting point there at the start, Ty. You said you feel once once the team gets familiar with each other, they're going to get better defensively. Do you actually think the team can be better defensively this year than last year? Because I mean that's the big that's the big knock outside of books the books community in particular. Anytime anytime you read anything with the books in the national media or any sort of team centric site for, for one of the other NBA teams, it's always well, the books aren't gonna be as good this year because their defense is gonna fall off. Do you think it could actually be better this year as the season rolls on? I mean, yeah, I think absolutely it could. I, th- I think that's an overrated talking point. I mean, all of a sudden, because they were good last year, people want to act like Zaza Pachulia and Ursan Ilyasova are defensive stalwarts. Is Zaza a, a fairly good one-on-one defender? Yes. He's also not that big for a center. This is not Greg Monroe size. I literally have never seen him jump. I don't know if he can. And he's not very athletic. I mean, he's a very good basketball player. His basketball IQ is out of the park. He's a great passer, and he can knock down jump shots. But, you know, this isn't the DeAndre Jordan rim protector. I don't know if he can get over the rim. I've, I, don't, I, don't, I can't remember seeing him dunk. And then Ursan is a, a super slow. He's very slow. I mean, Jabari and Monroe are made out to be bad defenders, 
but I don't know if they're worse than Ilyasova and Pachulia. And Monroe's bad defense was when he and Drummond were clogged in the lane together mostly. His time as the center, his defense was a lot better. I, I just don't. I think that's an overblown thing from last year where people just expect the Bucks to be bad again because they're the Bucks. Well, I mean that's the question though, isn't it? Because it's you've highlighted there pretty well. It's whether you trust basketball intelligence more than athleticism, and I guess that depends on what side of it you fall. If I'm to just if we're to take the names of these players, anything we know out, and if you're to ask me. In the way I look at the game, well, would you prefer to have two guys who are smart or two guys who are more athletic? I probably would generally lean towards the two smarter guys, so I can see that point of view. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, the question's over Monroe. I don't think... He might not be a great defender, but I don't think he's going to be as bad as some people think he's going to be. Yeah, uh, people make it sound like he's in his He can play defense. There have been a lot of stats that have come out since he signed with the Bucks that have looked like, you know, I mean, they've looked really favorable for Monroe. Sure, he doesn't post up the blocking numbers like, say, like uh, DeAndre Jordan, but uh, or like uh, like Andre Drummond, which I mean, that could yeah. that could prove to be a big part of it. I mean, how how do you get a block when you're playing alongside Andre Drummond? Exactly. I mean, that's the yeah. That was I mean, that was the fatal flaw of the, those. Pissed teams in the last. I mean, just how how could they, I mean how do they even try doing that with all that spacing? It's just kind of beyond belief for in retrospect. But I think I think I don't know. I just think one of the things that kind of I've thought about you know their defensive or how good they were defensively last year, and they had so many moving parts. I mean, this I think probably every month they added a new player. They lost a player. They added a player through trade eventually. And they were still, what, fourth in defensive rating? I could be wrong. But that's still a really high mark with all the players that they had on their roster. And a lot of those players... Yeah, the Bucks. sorry. Second second in defensive rating. Second. I mean, that's that's even better. (laughs) But it's still like... A lot of those players, not even just the... Like Carter Williams that came in or... uh, Like Plumlee or Ennis that came through mid-season trades... Everybody had to learn that defensive scheme last year. That was their first year under that. And they still achieved a set, the second highest defensive rating last year. I mean, if you could do that without really knowing like how the scheme works and you're still feeling your way out with it, that's what you could do. I, I, I still think you might there might be a little regression, but I, I don't expect an insane drop-up that I think a lot of people are making out it could be. Yeah, I guess one other thing that probably needs to be considered here is um, Sean Sweeney. I mean, all around the NBA, anytime you see Sweeney's name mentioned, it's he's seen as a sort of defensive savant. I don't know if we talked about it here before or was elsewhere. Um, I know, I mean, you have definitely spoken about it before, Ty. I think it's funny a lot of the credit that Jason Kidd gets for the defense because, I don't know, I'd have a question mark over how much of the ownership of it is really his. Now, that's that's not really a kid-specific point, I guess. That's that's the difference between a head coach and an assistant coach in, in the NBA, the NFL, anywhere. I mean, you're you're going to get the bulk of the credit if you are the head coach. Um, but 
someone like, say, Michael Carter-Williams, who's a good defender, as we know, but and overall adjusted pretty well defensively coming in as a book mid-season, well, now he's going to have a full season under his belt. It will be interesting. I definitely think the existing players in the roster, the guys who have been there a while, are going to come in. They're going to be a lot better defensively. It's going to just depend which outweighs the other. Is it going to be that those guys are so much better that some of the guys who aren't as used to the schemes are come in maybe just aren't as defensive focused because let's be honest that's pretty much everyone the books have brought in this summer am I am I missing someone here I'm trying to think I don't you've got Vasquez Monroe Copeland and Vaughn I mean not talking about summer league or not summer league not talking about uh, guys in the training camp roster none of those four guys have a sort of a defensive first way of playing or way of thinking, um, which then I suppose if you look at the outgoings, I don't know. There's definitely there's a question mark there. I can't make my mind up on if the, if the books are <laughs> going to be better, if they're going to be worse. The, re, the reality is they're probably going to be just about the same, um, which would be fine with everyone. I mean, even a bit of regression if they're so if they're top five defense, well, okay, that'll work. If they're top five defense and they maybe improve by five spots offensively, that would do the trick. I think that makes them a better team overall. Um, it's an interesting one. I see the points on Ilyasova and Pachulia. There's a lot of, I don't want to say unseen, but a lot of underrated things both of those guys did defensively, though. I mean, we all made fun of it for so long. But Ilyasova's charges are genuinely something that the books are going to miss. That's true. Like, I, I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, yeah, like we, like you just said, we, a lot of people knock him, but he is a, he is a very smart basketball player, and obviously makes up for his athleticism or almost lack thereof. But uh, I, I do, yeah, he, that's one thing that could be a little, like, I can see that that side of it. Uh, I'm I, not I, sure. I, I, I don't know if you're losing much. I'm sorry. Going to Jabari though. I think Jabari is a very intelligent basketball player. Yeah, and I think too. Even though it's, I mean, it was. We said this before. It's a shame that he missed such a, so much of last season, but he's still learning how that de- defense works and going from you know being like a high school standout, obviously, at the Duke where he played the majority out of position, if I remember correctly. From watching, or at least from watching his games, so it, like it was probably one of his first times ever played defense. To be honest, like he, he was never really looked at that type of player. So it's a little, it's obviously new to him coming uh, to Milwaukee. Yeah, the only issue I have with Jabari is I don't think we've even got a glimpse of how his intelligence translates defensively. Yeah. And that isn't as much on him. That is partly the situation he was in in college and then the injury coming into it. I don't disagree with that, but we just haven't seen it yet, so it's sort of, yeah. until further notice, you just got to just assume it's going to be middle of the road uh, at sort of at best and go from there. Um, anything else, and then it's it's all a bonus. Um, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I do. I still feel that at some point in the season, they're going to hit a run, and we're going to look back, and we're going to go, how good of an idea was it to get rid of Zaza, Anna, Ersan, and Jared Dudley all in the one summer? 
Um, I think even maybe I'm wrong, but I they probably could have figured other ways to make it work cap wise. Well, I mean, they could have uh, jettisoned. I mean, Mayo is worth more than well, Ilyasova was expensive. But they I could have. They could probably went. have jettisoned nothing pieces. I mean, really, okay, they could have got rid of say. Well, Mayo and Bayless is eleven million right there. Well, Bayless, Bayless, and we'll say eleven point four million. Bayless and Ennis, and that would bring five. That would bring your roster down to three point guards. Okay, now that would mean keeping Jorge Gutierrez, but the two of them would nearly make up Zaza's salary. Yeah, yeah, they're around five. So, yeah, there was ways that they could have done it. I mean, it well, is. They could, they could have added job and then definitely had enough to keep him. Well, I think, too, just the return of it, I mean, we talked about it, it's these picks, I mean, what is the, at least the Washington pick, I think it's like the 2020 or something like that, like something crazy. Like, that has a better chance of actually becoming something, but you never know. That's that's, that's what's... Is that, that the, just, the Dudley pick, is it? Yeah. Is that not top 55 protected as well, though? I wish we could have yeah. gotten, like, the But that, it's not, it doesn't go in effect to, like, 2020 or something. I mean... I wish Nene could have been part of that trade. That would have been fun. Bringing Nene off the bench would be awesome. His uh, salary, though. Off the bench, yeah. We'll get to that in our in our Southeast um, preview podcast. But uh, off the bench, yeah, I don't know if it was, if it was anything more than that. It's interesting. It's like Yeah, I, I guess, except a lot more expensive. Uh, yeah. I'm not looking at any sort of contract numbers, but I'm guessing Nene is it's close like, to double figures anyway, if not 12 million. Yeah. 12 million is what's sticking out in my mind. So, Or Boozer would probably be 1 million, I think. Uh, Nene is probably pretty pricey. The one, it's... it's Everyone knows. Anyone who's ever read any of my books or articles or has listened to the podcast for, back since when we started, they'll know my love for Zaza Pachulia. Um, <laughs> that's the deal, though. That I just Ursan, okay. That that was just that was a long time coming. And Dudley, with everything that came out, okay. Now we've made sense of that. The Zaza deal does not make sense because at that time the Mavs had to have been so desperate to get a center as well. Just anybody. Just after. Yeah, that's true. You're talking days after DeAndre Jordan. How the Bucks couldn't get more out of that deal is. We just... could have brought back Milwaukee legend Dirk Nowitzki. I feel like you've just ruined the segment now. We better move on. Nene <laughs> uh, is 13 million, but um, he shot 51% and had a defensive rating of 102. That's not a great defensive rating, so it's plus, plus and, and he's I could shoot that I could shoot that percentage from right at the rim. You, you know how I feel about guys who can't really move away from the rim and he is I think one they of play them. defense in the NBA though, Adam. I don't know if you would shoot fifty one percent on the Wizards. You've never seen me shoot. That's uh, true. Plus you have to factor he does get injured probably the sum of like a month or at least a season. That's that, uh, we, I don't. Um, we won't talk about NA now because I, I want to save it for. I want to save for the next podcast. But all I'll say is, if anyone's watched the playoffs, and um, they know where Nene's career is right now. Moving on, OJ Mayo. Um, Meh. 
Well, uh, OJ's still here. Yeah. Um, still here on his... Let me see, we're into the last year of his contract. Eight million. That's why he's still here, by the way. Nobody was taking that. Not this offseason. Not when they're trying to save up for 2016 and ten teams think they can bring in Kevin Durant and none of them actually can. I guarantee you the Sixers would have taken that with a second-round pick. Well, yeah, but mm. we like second-round picks these days. That's that's our new thing here. <laughs> no, if we, actually, if we took non-top 55 protected ones, that might be, that might be would, something. If we could bundle all the second-round picks we got and OJ for one of those young point guards in Philly, I would not be mad. That would, that's just basically OJ for a point guard straight swap because none of those picks are ever going to be anything. This is well, that's problem. fine. That's fine. Yeah, I know it's fine. I don't think it's, this is Hinky we're talking about. Hinky's not gonna. He's gonna see through that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just can. You can hear it in my voice. I'm struggling on where to start even on OJ Mayo. I'm just sort of disappointed that he's still here. Um, we talked about Jared Bayless last week. I guess this is where I'll start with it. Um, Mayo Mayo has so much more potential. I mean, to have him on the roster compared to Bayless, Mayo is a guy with real talent. He's he's a genuine six-man style talent. Um, even he's a capable starter. I mean, we'll go through his numbers. Before he came to the books, so as a rookie, 18.5 points per game. Uh, second year, 17.5 points a game, then 11.3, 12.6, uh, 15.3 points a game was his last season before coming to Milwaukee. Since then, he's gone 11.7, um, and I, this is something that, I don't know, I that horrible, horrible season, maybe I wasn't paying as much attention to the books, I definitely wasn't paying as much attention to the books <laughs> as you guys were, but shed some light for me on the fact that Mayo was so out of shape his attitude was so bad that year. He averaged 11.7 points, where last year he averaged 11.4, and he sort of gets praised for last year, even though he also shot better from three-point range in, in that season where he's completely out of shape. Uh, what is the deal with that? And maybe this is probably this is timing for you because it's the same, I guess, with Chris Middleton. We're talking about Middleton's numbers were better than the year before, his numbers he posted last year, but not by that much. It just shows if you can time your time your play for the year where the team makes the playoffs as opposed to the year where it struggles to win any games, that's that's a good move. Um, why is Mayo, particularly among some fans, why is he seen as in any way important? What does, what does OJ Mayo contribute to the books? And that's a real question. Well, he was supposed to contribute a lot. I mean, coming out of high school, he was like the next big prospect. Um, people look at him, say he had a good year this year because he shaved 10 points off his defensive rating. I thought you were shaved 10 pounds off his weight. <laughs> more than that. Probably more than that. His defensive rating dropped from 115 to 105, which still is not good. His offensive rating last season, or not the, the first, the, the fat season, was 98. Um, he did score more per, per 36 this year than the, the one before, and his overall field goal percentage went up, although, as we pointed out, his three-point did go down. And, I mean, he just kind of tricked everybody because he, he acted really enthused and he was a better teammate. 
And everyone was like, oh, well, at least he's happy now, so he's probably playing really well. He was playing a little better. I've never he, seen O.J. Mayo in twos. Never. I mean, compared to the season before, he was getting Yeah, compared to the season before. <laughs> he made yeah, a video series this year. I mean, he wasn't grouchy. He was like, he killed a video series. He sucked all Jared the energy Davis. out of it. So did Jared Bayless. It was all it Dudley. Was, Dudley carried it. It was if just they Dudley talking that, really fast, bad. and then Mayo would would bring it down. I mean, he was yeah. He would just say something PR. weird. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a great series. <laughs> uh, I'm probably higher on Mayo than you guys. It's not hard. Uh, I, I was gonna say that actually. He's, I don't know, it's still, it's not by much, but I think what really kind of frustrates me, and not even just as a Bucks fan, but just a fan of good player, NBA players in general, is that you see something there, like, he's he's obviously more of a shooter, but he's also a really good playmaker, and, like, he was, like, one of the few players that could find, like, a rhythm with John Henson, which, you know, was kind of... It was just really it was beyond belief kind of how he found that, but there's something there with his game, but it's just I don't know what gets in the way. I think injuries kind of derailed. Like he had a, some good months last year, if I could remember correctly, but it's just consistent. I don't know if it's like consistency or maybe he just is a like is he's really hot, he's really cold, or I don't know, but. I think that's probably the most frustrating thing about it is that you see something there, but for whatever reason, it just it's gotten worse and worse and worse. And maybe Casillo is just a six man. Like I like him as a six man for the Bucks, but that's if he's shooting what a six man should be. And sometimes he doesn't hit that mark. That's what's the well, ultimately frustrating thing. I mean, the thing with Mayo is he was one of those guys who got unfairly crushed by expectations coming into the league. I mean, it's hard to live up to that. Coming when he was—I don't remember if he played. The thing college, I'd say but... about that though is he lived up to expectations as a rookie and as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Well, sort of. I mean, I mean, no. He, he had an off- in his rookie did. season. His offensive rating was 103, and his defensive rating was 112. His pure numbers were good, but he wasn't efficient. He was, he was on a bad team. I mean, what was he? Yeah, he had third, third overall well, pick, so he wasn't gonna be on a team that was gonna help him out in terms of his his net rating. Well, I, uh, uh, he still shot 43%, 43.8, I don't know. I mean, but he, that's, he his, never... that's his game. That's like... Oh. I, I have more of a problem because I do feel he came out. I mean, as a rookie to come in and average 18.5 points, he started all 82 games, played 38 minutes a game. So we're not talking any small sample size. He consistently played in and around the 20-point mark for an entire season as a rookie. And... How many guys you see do that as a rookie and then never reach those heights again? That's that's the best season of OJ Mayo's career. Well, I mean, he came within 0.4 points for 36 of matching his rookie scoring numbers this year. He still scores at roughly the same rate. He didn't drop off completely. Uh, yeah, but the difference is, I mean, he couldn't last anywhere close to 38 minutes. Well, not the not the fat season, no. Nor, nor this season, I don't I don't think so. I, one thing that I find interesting looking at his numbers here, I don't know, the one thing that I can give Mayo credit for, or I thought I could, I actually thought his defense in the playoffs was pretty good. He, I, 
I, I, I wrote something about him, and he, he did really well. Sorry to kind of cut you off there. No, I was really impressed. That's exactly what I thought, but his defensive rating for the playoffs is 106. Well, how many minutes did he play in game six? Okay, that's, a nightmare. That's and if you can record a lot, that would drive up anybody's. That's fair. Let me yeah. see. Oh, uh, yeah. If you pull up the box from that, that if he played a lot of minutes, that would make sense. And plus, he played a lot of minutes probably on Butler. So I, I can't really hold that uh, one against him. He actually played less minutes than in any other game, nearly. 24 minutes. Wow. The plus minus was probably crazy, though. Minus 23. <laughs> yeah. That's so, probably one of the best plus minuses out of that game for the books. Yeah, but still, I mean, your defensive rating is not going to be good if a minute, a, a point per minute is given up while you're on the floor. Not saying it's OJ's fault. The, the whole team played like crap in that entire game. No, that's but, true. I guess the interesting thing from that, and then maybe at the same time, you can put that off as the same argument again, that if you played in game six, you're not going to come out looking good in any way. But... Really, but you put him on the floor. It's not for his defense. That was something that I was impressed with. Looking for his offense wasn't good either, though. <laughs> Offensive rating of 92 in the playoffs. So, what yeah. does he bring? I mean, he's not going anywhere now. That seems safe to say. I don't see who's going to take him. What have the books spent 24 million for by the end of this deal? Hope. I mean, when they signed him, he was supposed to be a starter. Going into that season, Middleton was some scrub on the bench, and Mayo was, you know, the next big Milwaukee signing. It just didn't pan out. He was a, a kind of a gamble, I guess you could say. They didn't bring him in to be a sixth man, that's for sure. That's true. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think. Uh, I think if you look at back, look back at his Bucks career, because I don't, I'd be surprised if they continue. Or give him any contract past this year, but it's not. I mean, it's gonna be just really disappointing. And, li- and the inverse was. I remember when Zaza got signed. It was five million dollars, and they already had, or they were in the process of re-signing Larry. That might be right. I can't remember. I think but that is that right. was. That was like universally panned. <laughs> looking at looking back at that now, like he was. He lived up to that contract. Like, that was a that time. was really good value. I remember as a Hawks fan, okay, so I was on the other side of that coin, yeah. and I was like, Hawks fans love Zaza like nobody else. I mean, he's he's such a hero in Atlanta. And then everyone was like, whoa, five million, okay, Milwaukee can have him. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't even a question about it. And the fact that maybe that's just part of the way the cap has gone since that that came around to be really good value, but I don't, I don't think so. I think he actually played up to his billing. Um, now, mm-hmm. part of that might be just how bad the books were for most of that as well. But definitely last season, Zaza played up to that and more. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, go on, Ty. There's no question he's worth $5 million by the end of the deal. That's one of those funny things. Half the contracts that get praised when they're done ended up terrible, and half the ones that got panned ended up being, oh, wow. That's not bad at all. I guess there's part of that as well, that if you pay a guy so much money that he doesn't seem easy to, to move, well, you've got to sort of play him and hope he figures it out. And then if he yeah. does, the deal looks good. But the problem is, if he's OJ Mayo, the deal doesn't look good. Um, mm. I mean, 
the problem I have here is we're going to get on to talking Rashad Vaughn in a minute. Young Kobe. Oh, God, I don't like that. Um, <laughs> wow, that's the way of my, my train of thought for a minute. Um, <laughs> the thing with Vaughn, Vaughn looked incredibly raw and young in summer league. I don't like saying this, but I'm not particularly optimistic that he's going to get a whole lot of minutes this year. I think we're going to see a lot of OJ Mayo. Yeah, um, yeah that's the problem with all of that. Well, like it's just—I don't. It's like it's just Mayo. I think Bayless as well. This, this Bayless actually, and Vasquez. Uh, see, the the difference is, I think. Well, at least Vasquez is something new, and. I'm I'm a believer in Vasquez. We talked about that. could be could be proven completely wrong. He could absolutely flop in Milwaukee, but the idea who's to say that Bayless won't be the first point guard off the bench? I mean, strange things happen, and I know um, I know you wrote a piece Ty a couple of weeks ago looking at how how the books sort of their their opening day lineups over the years or their opening day games. But one oh, thing yeah. you looked at was how the lineup evolved. That opening day lineup last year was just like it's a completely different team. Bench Giannis. Yeah. Giannis wasn't the starter right away. I, f- I forgot that. I feel like a lot of people that, forget that. That kind of made sense though at the time. I mean, yeah, you're you're probably right. I just I do worry the kid is going to make some very strange decisions. They might last that long. Well, I feel part of that last year, even that team sort of took shape. And even when people were calling, like Henson was the famous one, the people kept calling, calling for Henson to play over Zaza. Well, kids sort of looked into a team that worked, and he didn't have to do anything rotation-wise to to change it. He would have been foolish to. In the end, he let it play out, and I think that was the right thing for the season. Um, some might say, oh, well, Henson could have developed more. I'm not too sure on that. But... I don't know. I think there's going to be... We can apply as much logic as we want, but there's going to be some strange rotation decisions when, when the season kicks off. It might last long, but I don't know. There's going to be something... I mean, think about this now. Jason Kidd did start Johnny O'Brien for for a reasonable period of time. It's at least like 10 games. I might even have been a little bit more than that, and I, I don't know. He's got he's got strange decisions in him sometimes. It'll all be okay in the end. No need to worry, books fans. But uh, I just say <laughs> be prepared for for a surprise or two to come to come your way. Uh, moving on to Vaughn, uh, the last of the the shooting guards in the roster. Realistic expectations, maybe not for. Not for longer term because he's got talent. He's got a lot of a lot of the skills that the books needed on their roster, and probably still need. Could have done with adding more of this summer, but this season, do you feel Vaughn will get any real shot, or what do you expect from? Barring injury, I would say. Uh... I just, I don't know. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of Bucks fans worry that he could <laughs> that he could be the next, like, Deron Lamb. Kind of a guy that, oh, that guy sounds really, uh, he has, he was, Deron Lamb I think was like a second round pick anyway, but uh, just a guy that, oh, he's a really good shooter that just 
totally fell out of the wayside. Just, I mean, he was a, like traded like six months later. But uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't expect much. Maybe twelve minutes a game. That might be a lot. Conceivable. I don't know. I just. Don't, I don't. And the other thing too. I don't expect him to really impress shooting wise. But I think we'll see more of like a playmaking ability. If anything, at least judging think, from six separate league games. <laughs> I think the 12 minutes is a lot because remember how tight uh, likes to play his rotation. He, he's not exactly a... I mean, it depends. Sometimes he goes through. He goes through spells. People have seen this written a lot where it's like a kid gives everyone on the rotation a chance. I don't think he does. At one stage or another, as you mentioned, I think everyone gets a shot. But... It's not like every night I think the bench gets emptied out. Like, look at the, the minutes Plumley didn't get, um, the minutes Ennis didn't get. I know that was a crunch time of the season, but I think he gives everyone a shot at some stage or another, but it's not like the books go sort of 14 deep on, on a nightly basis. Yeah, he. I think at the end of the season he went away from that. Sorry to that, you go. No, I, I never have been a huge fan of kids' rotations. I was one of the most vocal ones for playing Henson more than Zaza. I don't think Henson would have added more to the team. I don't think he would have added less. I think Zaza would have did play better than Henson would have played. But I mean, what is Zaza? Adam, you might know offhand. Is thirty-four? No, I don't. I actually don't know offhand. Which is no. If you t- if he's twenty-nine, like Jared Dudley, no, he's, he's not. Nice. He's not twenty-nine. Um, I'm gonna go thirty-three, thirty-one. Okay, so he's not that old. John no, Henson's twenty-four. I'm more upset now than I was at the time. Yeah, you didn't even know. Um, you should have known that. Um, John Henson's 24. I mean, and this is—I mean—they're talking about resigning, and they still haven't, as of this recording, uh, Monday night here, on the 31st of August. But they still haven't resigned him. But he's a young guy. I mean, he's got the potential. He's never been given a season to start, no matter what. Despite the Larry Sanders debacle, despite everything, I, I feel like he should have given more of a shot. And Plumley too. I mean, every time they played Plumley, he would do really well. And I don't think he's a starting caliber guy. But in a season, in that part of the season, they were losing a lot of games after the All-Star break. If he's playing well, give him some more minutes. I mean, just, I think, just do it. I think the thing with that part of the season, though, and they were, they were playing really badly. Zaza was maybe the best, one of the best players in the team during that period of time. I mean, he had the record-breaking game against the Nets. Zaza had so many big plays, and I don't know. I I never got round to writing my farewell to Zaza piece. I think it's because it was too painful. I <laughs> promise I will get there, and it will be it will be an epic. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think it might be 2016 by the time the the books and the Mavs meet again. Um, but when when that happens, if not before, then I will go all in on a Zaza piece. Um, but there's so many big plays Zaza had throughout the season that I just don't think John Henson makes. Say, for example, um, the, the Middleton three-pointer, the buzzer beater against... that one Was that the Heat? That was the Heat. That was the Heat, yeah. John Henson, I don't think, makes that play. No, I don't think he does either. I, I said Zaza played better than Henson would have played. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that might be taken a little bit too far... But if Henson plays, if Henson got those games down the stretch, like so many people, including you, called for, I don't know if the books hang on to the playoffs, but because you throw another young guy in there, and that could have all crumbled. 
Well, they could have still left. They could have let Zaza close games. I'm not against that. There might have been games to close though. I don't think it would have been that much of a swing. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if if Brandon Knight stayed there, and I know I'm talking to you about Brandon Knight now, but then I could see more of a case for Henson. But when you bring in the variable that was Michael Carter Williams learning on the job as such in the backcourt, that's when Ilyasova and Zaza started to make sense up front. Mm. I don't know. This uh, is all was, ancient history I was now. Calling for, I was calling for Henson before the All-Star break. Yeah, you're oh, I didn't want I didn't want Zaza to see no minutes, but I mean, the the, the slogan is own the future. I mean, come on, he's 23, 24 at the time. I don't know when he turned 24. But the but fear to dare slogan didn't go particularly well, did it? <laughs> well, I mean, they didn't do it. That's the problem. If you don't like honor the slogan, no one feared the deer because they were bad. They didn't own the future because we didn't play the young guys. The slogan's not going to work if you don't live by the slogan. That's you can only do what slogans. you got with the players, though, and. I don't know. I, they couldn't quite own the future last year because of what happened with Jabari. I mean, this year is, is really the time to own the future for the books. Um, I don't know. We've been sidetracked. We weren't. Did we talk about Rashad Vaughn? How did. Oh, I know I brought him up and then we ended up. Uh, it's my fault. It's definitely my fault because we're talking about <laughs> an opportunity. So no, oh, one else, no one else could be blamed for this sidetrack. I'll, t- I'll take full responsibility. Uh, oh, 12 minutes per game was what oh, yeah. Jordan said for, yeah. for Vaughn. Um, the other thing you mentioned, Jordan, was the playmaking. I liked what I saw from Vaughn in Summer League on that side of his game, but just with this many point guards on the roster, I had yeah. to get his hands on the ball. Um, the chances of him, he could be on. He could be playing some tree. He could be on the court with Bayless and, and uh, Vasquez together at times when he gets there, or he could have, could have Ennis. I mean, why why is there so many point guards still? Can they not just... We should have probably talked about this one last week, but just before we actually talk about Vaughn, I promise we'll very briefly talk about Vaughn. <laughs> Do you see any way that the books don't have at least four point guards going into the season? Yes. Uh, I don't think Ennis is a lock. Uh, definitely Gutierrez is not but I don't think Ennis, I mean, he showed some bright flashes, but I don't think anyone and, and the Bucks is saying, oh, my God, this is the guy for the future. I mean, if they if they see a, a guy they'd rather bring in, whether it be Kendall Marshall, if the Sixers are stupid enough to not take him, or somebody else, um, I forgot who else we were talking about, or Boozer, if they say, oh, we, we're going to need the Booz crews, we're not going to have enough forward depth, uh, I think Mayo's expendable. I mean, he, he hasn't showed anything crazy. Um, Mayo. I, I just don't... Who wants Mayo? You just said Mayo. No. Oh, did I say Mayo? I meant uh, Ennis. Oh, okay. Yeah, Ennis. That was like, I was I was getting all behind that. I was like, Mayo is expendable. This is, this is the way we need to be talking. <laughs> well, Mayo is expendable, but no one's interested. I mean, J-O-B is expendable, but you don't have 29 teams lining up trying to get him. And you can't cut Mayo because they don't want to pay eight million. There's to always a team. I've said this before. There's always one team that wants Job. That wants Mayo. Oh. Uh, there's probably uh, more than one team that would take Job. Yeah, but I mean the Sixers. If you gave them a pick to take him. I mean Job. He might as well still be a second round pick. I don't think we've seen any more development <laughs> from him. 
<laughs> no, I mean, that's just like giving a second-round pick here. He's, if you can like talk to fresh, Asian, you mold them from there. <laughs> I, I, I think I've looked at it as I just I think it's deadline bait. I think it's just so obvious. I think what was uh was it when XM went down? I think Zach Lowe wrote about it. He's even like referred to the point guards on on the Bucks roster as like having just enough like you could just take them. You know what I mean? Like. It just screams death, a trade deadline bait to me so much. And whether we'll see it, that's a totally different story, but it, that's how it looks to me. So I would say, yeah, that I would see four point guards going into the season. Yeah, that's sad. <laughs> Back to Vaughn. Vaughn. Vaughn will cheer us up, um, he says enthusiastically. Um is Vaughn's shooting going to be as good as, uh, I won't say as advertised, but as as the books need it to be coming into the NBA? Do you think there's a chance of that? Uh, I don't know what they need it to be. I mean, they're not they're not going to give him enough of a role for him to hurt the team that much, I feel like, which is sad, but I just, I'm so worried that Mayo is going to get like 24 minutes a game and Bayless is going to play a little bit of two, and Vasquez is going to play a little two. At the end of the day, there's not much left for Vaughn, which is dumb. I mean, they used, what, 17 overall? It's not a low pick. This isn't a guy you should stash. Like, 17 overall should get some minutes, especially considering they turned down Kevon Looney, who they could have stashed because he's hurt, and Bobby Portis, who is going to be a monster. I mean, I hate that the Bulls took him, but he's not going to be bad. He's too crazy. I, I, it's sad, but they, they I just don't see where they're going to play him. I wonder what sort of trade value the books could have got in terms of a real, an NBA player for 17. It's far too early oh. to make a call on whether that's right or not uh, before Vaughn has played a second of real NBA basketball. But just as a hypothetical, I wonder, I mean... There was a Bledsoe trade floated around, wasn't there? Uh, not for 17. Not, no, not just for 17, but he was on the block. Something and 17. Yeah, no, they were never. I mean, last year maybe, but now that they have MCW, I don't think they would ever think of him as a street guard. Bledsoe, I mean. I, mean, I, I would just think of Bledsoe as a much better player than MCW. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bledsoe. real sort of uh, square pegs and round holes, but you just make it work for... You, you just try it and see, and yeah. even then, if MCW doesn't pan out, you go, okay, well, maybe we have the point guard here anyway, um, which is pretty much what Phoenix have done. <sighs> uh, I don't know. Then I suppose the Hawks got Tim Hardaway in around that range, which isn't gonna, it's not gonna blow anyone away. I mean, just role player. Yeah, yeah that, I mean that's Hawks, that's Hawks probably the perfect trades. What was that? They got Thiago, the Hawks don't make normal trades. They got Tiago Splitter for nothing. I don't, Save I don't and Save. We've got, we've got to talk. We've got to talk Hawks in the oh. Saudi preview. Oh yeah. You tease the people. We'll be talking about it in a few minutes, but they'll have to wait a few days. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, the thing with Vaughn is going to be minutes, and this is where to go back to. We're harping on about this one, but. The lack of a D League team could be a real problem because I so see a lot of DMPs for for Vaughn this season. Um, but is that? I mean, 
Is that kind of, I, I mean, I, I like the pick. Obviously, I think, was it the first, our first pockets is like around that draft. I, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was yeah, just we all, before the draft, yeah. Yeah, we were all talking Portis would be a fit, but I think the same problem, it would have been the same problem. Obviously, I think Portis is more of an NBA-ready prospect, but I wouldn't have thought that he could conceivably get the type of minutes that he could have gotten, especially because we all knew the expectations was that they're going to try to make a free agency splash. And now it looks. I mean, the difference with that though is, that, do you not think if they if they draft Portis, they probably down sign Copeland? Maybe I don't know. Well, I, know if the shooting guard is more of a need then. The draft was before uh, Monroe. I mean, at that time we talked about free agent centers too, and it was like, well. Monroe would be nice, but that might be not obtainable. The Knicks have had eyes on him since the middle of last season. It 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 was not at all a lock. We we were not. We didn't think. No, DeAndre Jordan was more likely, and that seemed like a pipe dream. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So at that time, I mean, of course, the Bucks probably obviously knew more than we did about the Monroe situation. But I I think Portis, if they don't get Monroe, would have gotten a lot of minutes. Because if they still trade Zaza, which maybe they don't. Still, that's your rookie center who's 17 overall. It's him against Henson who's never grasped any opportunities to dominate. And Zaza, who is great, but on the tail end of his prime. Zaza's prime goes on forever. (laughs) I still think they would have at least gotten someone. It's weird to think of, like, what is now. We're like, yeah, we ex- we got exactly what we wanted. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. I don't think they sign a center if they draft Portis. They'd have three. Oh, no, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Oh, I don't know. I, I, think, I don't think Portis will be a center in the NBA. Yeah. I, I think, think that's... I think he'll be a four, and if he stretches the floor as well as as it looks like he might be able to... He'd be a very versatile for that as well, but all the bigs the Bulls have, you, you, it's not inconceivable that in some bizarre lineup that you could see him at the three. I just don't see him as a five. I do think he's a stretch four in the NBA, a really big stretch four. Yeah. But a stretch four all the same. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, go on. No, I was just trying to equate it to the Vaughn thing. I just think it's. I, I, I don't know. I don't think it, it's about this year necessarily. I think it's about what he could do down the road. But it's, it doesn't limit how frustrated it is to see that he possibly could just be DMPs for the majority of the season, you know what I mean, on paper. Yeah, well, last, last thing on Vaughn, but this is what worries me, is that if it is about the future and he doesn't play minutes anywhere this season whether that's meaningful minutes for the books or as I said the D League which is not impossible and um, he could still go to the, the Mad Ants this year or he could go to to one of the other affiliate teams around the D League but the books just wouldn't have much say over how he's developed how he's treated then it's just if, if he doesn't get meaningful minutes well then why is he going to be any better a year later uh, that would be the worry I'd have uh, anyway that's that's all shooting guards wrapped up. Next week we'll, we'll do small forwards. Um, before we finish off on this week's podcast, it's time for the mailbag. Uh, this week we have we have two questions in for the mailbag. We're getting we're getting close to last man standing territory in the mailbag. Uh, 
I'm pretty, we all know who the last man will be as well. Um, but we're, we're getting close to that. Um, the first question to come in is from a friend of ours, former writer behind the book Pass. That's uh, Mike Gartland at Shafty Bro. Um, how bad did Giannis get snubbed in the SI Top 100 list? Super bad. Tony Parker was in the top 55. Tony Parker is a shell of his form. I mean, there's so many guys you could pick out. It was stupid. It's a dumb list. I don't like it. Uh, admittedly, I did not see the list, but I just, uh, I don't know. I just, it's, oh, it's about to be I'll September. read. I'll read it from, from Yanis upwards for you. If you haven't seen it, just give you a sense. So this is just, I'll just read 100 to 90, okay? Okay. Yanis um, at 100. Wes Matthews at 99. Uh, Donatus Mata Yunus at 98. Noel at 97. Josh Smith, 96. Roy Hibbert, 95. Okay. Uh, Ty Windish favorite, Reggie Jackson at 94. Defensible. Not really. JJ Reddick at 93. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Lou Williams at 92. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins at 91, which seems a lot more criminal. I'm going to be honest here. Um, if I was a Timberwolves fan, I'd be a bit upset about that. And Taj Gibson at 90. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty bad. Ricky Rubio at 87, I think, is hilarious. I don't know what Rubio... What are we even comparing Rubio against anymore? One of the worst shooters who gets to shoot like in history, if I remember correctly. Plus there's all the injuries and he's on terrible teams. And I mean, everyone wants Ricky Rubio to be good. He just comes across really like one. And yeah, he's such a creative passer. Um, I wouldn't want him as my team's starting point guard. Uh, yeah, yeah I, think, I think it's pretty bad. I mean, there's so many... Lou Williams and J.J. Redick. Redick is... I think there's a difference here... Reddick is a good basketball player, and I don't mean that as a knock on Lou Williams. I just don't think Williams is a good basketball player. He happens to score very well, but overall, I think he may be lacking something. But Reddick, Reddick is a good basketball player, but he's a specialist. Yeah, I think I think it kind of. I think that's the. I mean, that's obviously the biggest overall argument of not argument, but just kind of debate about Giannis is that I think Bucks fans have a very. Uh, not tilted, but they have a they really think highly of him, and I don't think everyone around the league uh, kind of thinks that way. And I think because they process it as what can he do this season, and we kind of think of him down the road still, even though he's a very he's a very NBA ready, he's a very solid player as we saw this past season. I just think a lot of people they always talk about potential, but once you once you start playing NBA games, that kind of goes away, and it, it's all about what you've done for me lately. I, I don't know. That's how I kind of view it with Giannis. You got anything, Ty? <laughs> I, I started. I think it's a dumb list. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I don't want to bash it too much. I just don't think I can go. I mean, we haven't even seen the top fifty yet. This is only a uh, hundred through fifty. I just think the premise of there's 99 players right now better than Giannis, who was in the top 20 in a couple defensive standards and who by the end of the season could Euro step from the three-point line and when he needed to could be almost unguardable. 
who's now adding a shot, the fact that you can name one less than 100 guys that you think are better than him, and some of them are Lou Williams and J.J. Redick, I, I don't think I need to analyze this in a deep fashion to say it's not a good list and it doesn't make much sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess I just find it hard to take these lists seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it really doesn't matter at all. I mean, it's just... They do a great job of getting this sort of debate going every year. It's normally about where Kobe is ranked. Um, 54? I, think I was going to say 55, but still way too high. Um, Kobe Bryant is retired, basically. Well, here's the thing about it for me. In the premise of the article, it says, oh, we used advanced statistics, VOR, PER, offensive and defensive rating... There's no way Lugo was that much higher, or Kobe that much higher than Giannis, if those were the metrics used to make the list. We, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, but Lou, Lou Will's like advanced numbers last year were insanely high. Like he's gonna regress this year, but it was still pretty good. That's well, what, his I, offense that's was the, so true to roof last year. It, it was, was okay. It was but, two man lineups of Vasquez we looked at where yeah, he that's right. The team. Um, yeah, you're right. That's going to regress big time. Okay. That's... Kobe shot 37% in 35 games last year. I looked this up today for a different article. He should now be 55. I mean, he's 38 years old. This is all 30 numbers. His defense isn't very good anymore either. He barely played, and when he did play, he was bad. He shouldn't be 55. He shouldn't be 45 spots ahead of Giannis. Yeah, Kobe plays like he's 55. That's Yeah. I mean, let's not talk about Kobe. Uh, we're going to move to the next question just because Kobe's going to get me stressed out here uh, <laughs> after Ty called him out he was worried that he wasn't going to have a question in um, at Pencil2292 finally did he, did he get one? oh he came in he left it late just, just for you'll hear this pencil but you left it late so Sooner next week, maybe. <laughs> uh, not to be too demanding. No, he, he tweeted that uh, behind the books, not you. Oh, okay. Um, he said, "Hope it's not too late for this." It's not, but it's close. So it's never too late. Next week, watch out for it. Um, scenario: Anthony Davis becomes available via trade. What do we trade from? Literally anything. Literally whatever they. If they ask, if there's a trade package, you give it to them. Yeah. I know that we, we got into a big thing about this. When to, I think Tony was on then. Shout out, Tony. I love you. But we were there, there was feelings. There was Jimmy's rustled about, there's no way I would trade Giannis or Jabari. I would trade either or maybe both of those guys for Anthony Davis. I mean, this guy's 22, just turned 23, signed the biggest long-term deal in history, absolutely deserves it. He's insane. He's, yeah, he's amazingly good. Close to that, but I do everything to try and keep one of those guys to pair with him because we, that's, we, you're sad. I mean, I I wouldn't be against it because remember this is the East we're talking about. So if you get Anthony Davis, probably Anthony Davis on his own is going to beat some Eastern Conference teams. Yeah, I mean you could go Gutierrez, Tyler Ennis, uh, Copeland, Job, and Anthony Davis. How does that sound? <laughs> Anthony Davis is going to have a PER of 50. Yeah, I, it's, hard, it's hard to say exactly how much you give up. I try not to give up Giannis and Jabari. Um, I, I think I will. Oh, his, his value, though, is so high. And he's locked up. 
you have them for five years, six years. I want to say it's an extension. You're saying that as if I know I know for him it's valuable, but that's a big deal. I mean, so it's Anthony Davis. I mean, name name a skill in the NBA. Anthony Davis has it. The guy can shoot threes. He can score interior. He's one of the best five defenders in the league. Literally anything. He's twenty three. I'll be interested to see how that works for the Pelicans because in the West to tie up that much money into any one guy, okay, he. By the end of that deal, he'll probably be the unquestioned best player in the league. Yeah. But if they don't have money to put a cast around them in the West, we've seen LeBron on his own, and it, it just can't be done on your own. You can get close, uh, but it just can't. You, you'll always need someone else. I don't know. I guess Tyree Evans and Drew <laughs> Holiday. Is, it, is Eric Gordon still there? Yes, yeah, so. they couldn't. They couldn't get anyone to they take. They got him. such a horrible roster. Ryan Anderson's there as well. Well, don't, don't worry. Omer Ashik is there for. <laughs> I, I don't know why he keeps getting contracts. I'll never we, know. We this called that little... before. We said, in fairness, we we called that probably along with everyone else. Um, I remember when we were looking at players who could land those books. I was. Adamant, Omer Sheik will get paid, and he got paid. This might be a little foreshadowing on my part, but besides the Anthony Davis extension, every other move the Pelicans made was completely idiotic. Oh, it the was, Alexis Ajinsa one was the worst. Yeah. And don't forget, they have Kendrick Perkins now. <laughs> Uh, I just if I, I don't if know. If I were Anthony Davis, I wouldn't have signed that contract. I don't know why, what uh, he was thinking. That's he a made lot of money. money. He can sign the contract okay. and get maneuver his way out in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he's that really. sort of guy. He's but, not. That's the thing. I mean, but he can do it if he, if he has to. I mean, from an an agent's point of view, no agent is going to go. Oh yeah, don't sign that contract. <laughs> sign the contract. We'll worry about the rest later. Yeah. I think that's where offseason was just so bad. But this, I mean, there was still a playoff team last year. That's what's kind of because incredible. of Anthony Davis. It's yeah. weird to see. It's like to think now what Alvin Gentry is going to do with them. It's going to be fun to watch Anthony Davis and Alvin Gentry. I mean, what he does, Gentry, that's so good, is he recognizes the strength of the team and builds around him. They built that offense around the Splash Bros, and now they'll keep doing it without him because it's obvious what they're going to do. He's going to build an Anthony Davis offense. You're going to see it run. I mean, who else would you build it around? You know, Gentry's not going to pull a full Jackson and say, oh, we're going to keep our offense focused on our, our guards and just ignore Anthony Davis. No, he's going to build it around, I guess, power forward is technically where he plays. And you're going to see Anthony Davis' best offensive season, which is scary. Yeah, Definitely. it's a scary thought. I guess, yeah, so to answer your question. I, I, I say anything. If they, if they trade, if they... If I they don't think you can quite give anything. You can go close to it. I'll, I'll stick by, even with Anthony Davis, even with LeBron James, you need one other guy, at least. Well, you do. You definitely do. But this is what I, we talked I, about earlier with, with Chris Middleton. This is why I think he can be so effective, is because he's going to have four other guys. They won't be at that level, but he'll have four other guys, and that's what creates the space. What's I'm, a better I'm, team? I'm a team? What's a better team long-term? MCW, Middleton, X, insert small forward, Anthony Davis, Monroe, or MCW, Middleton, 
X insert small forward. That was Yanis. You just no, no, no. That's uh, the the the. You say yeah, if you trade Yanis and Jabari. Oh, yeah. I don't think Yanis and Jabari gets it done though. I'm 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 just saying if that was the deal, what's a better team in the long run with Anthony Davis, Monroe, Middleton, and MCW, or the five they have now? I'd take the Anthony Davis team. If it's just Yanis and Jabari, yeah, I'll go with the Anthony Davis team. But I think it'd be more than that. I think you probably it could be something like Middleton, Yanis, and Jabari. Maybe Michael Carter Williams as well. Which in that case, I go okay. We'll stick with what we have. Uh, that's just that's just me. I don't know. I, to be honest, I think if you're looking at those guys, or you're looking at just Anthony Davis on his own, neither might be enough to win a championship. But I think the the better chance would be, I, I'd go with the complete team. I know, well, yeah, I know historically I in the NBA that doesn't one. pan out, but what if it was MCW Giannis Jabari and two firsts? <sighs> that's, oh, that's so big. much. No, that's a lot. I would do it. I'm backtracking on this now. I would. I would do it. I would do that trade. I kind of with Adam. You are. You can keep Anthony Davis. You don't want the big, the big three of Davis, Middleton, Monroe. That's a top three team in the East, at least. Easily. Of course it's a top three team in the East. Just well, that means you have the rest of your title window now. Your title window is now open. It's there. You'd need a good point guard still. Kendall Marshall. Uh, who is a perfect point guard to play with Anthony Davis because of his low usage rate, by the way. So now you have two three-point shooters on the perimeter in Marshall and Middleton, and you have Anthony Davis and Greg Monroe inside. Who I think, okay, you could, you could probably sell me on that specific situation. Done. Still, it's a lot to give up. What? You know, no, I still... You've got all those guys, and that takes so much... That took so many good decisions and so much to build that and yeah okay Anthony Davis is a sure team so what if you saw, what if you make that deal and you bring Anthony Davis in and he blows out his knee well I mean and his career is over I know you're, you're going to say that could happen with any guy it could, but when you're giving up four guys for one five guys you're talking two first round picks it's kind of what like we're illustrating like the Sixers plan the Sixers want uh, like they obviously would want a really good player, but they are trying to make a complete team, and they're—I mean—that's why they're not going to even with Okafor. And you could say Noel could be that way, eventually, but that's why they're still going to try to be bad this year. Yeah, they this is to the, be a complete the thing team. with the Sixers' plan is, I guess, they're hoping for Michael Jordan, of course, as every team does, but yeah. they also want to have Scottie Pippen when he arrives. Yeah, definitely, and. Yeah. I'm I'm just much more inclined to go with that approach to team building. Uh, I'd rather have two guys who aren't quite as good. I mean, it's really hard. It's, it's really a bad hard boys to see. Pistons team, um, and that was going up against okay, but still early enough Jordan Bulls teams. Well, if you look at that team, sure Isaiah Thomas wasn't as good, Joe Dumars wasn't as good, um, Dennis Rodman wasn't as good, but put that whole team together. And I know that's a rare, and it's the same with the Pistons in 04. That doesn't happen a lot in the NBA, that the team wins true. I just, personally, as a team-building approach, I'd be more comfortable with that. I think it's, 
there's less risk. Anthony Davis is a once-in-a-generation player. I can see... I can see scenarios. That one, if Kendall Marshall's the starting point guard and you've got Monroe and you've got Middleton and Anthony Davis is there, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. It's still so much to give up. I think there's got to be a point where you've got to stop and think because look look at what just happened last year. Okay, injuries came into it, but that's what can happen. But LeBron was on a roster with Kyrie Irving, with Kevin Love. Did he get his championship? No. No, but he still he got an Eastern Conference championship. He was, to be honest, he was beaten by a team, and this I could be proven wrong on this, but I don't think Steph Curry is as good as Steph Curry looked this year, and over the course of his career that will play out. But that Warriors team will be looked back on as a team. They they're not right now, but they'll be closer to the Pistons in '04 than a lot of people think when they look back on sort of the DNA of title winning teams. Well, the mm. other side of that is they had an all time great season. By every metric, I mean they were the second best offensive team and the best defensive team in the NBA. But they that comes teams all year. That but comes from being that. a complete team. Yeah, it does. That, but they had star power. You don't. That doesn't happen if you've one guy. What the one guy can do is he can will you to victories and he can just take over. But that sort of all-around outstanding season comes from a complete everyone team. buying in. Yeah, that's. That's 15 guys. It's not even five guys. That's a roster where you can plug guys in. Your second unit isn't going to make you lose any ground. Mm-hmm. Pencil, you've done it again. Your question has <laughs> made us go way too long. Um, so we'll wrap it up there for, for this podcast. Um, thanks to Jordan and Ty. Make sure to check us out at BehindTheBookPass.com. Follow us on iTunes. Uh, or subscribe on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud. Yeah, follow us on SoundCloud, yeah. Thanks very much, guys. Bye.